Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. Today is August 17th, 2022, and our first story, Liz Cheney is officially out. She's lost, and she lost fast. With 4% reporting last night, they called her defeat. Now she's saying she's thinking of running for president, which many say is delusional. In our next story, China is sending troops to Russia for a joint military exercise. They say it's unrelated to the ongoing crisis and tensions regionally. But this is many fearing that World War III is already here. In our last story, a transgender individual, a male individual, was rejected from every sorority they tried to apply to. Many people are outraged for obvious reasons that someone would try to do this. But of course, the individual is getting heavy support from the corporate press and from woke activists. If you like the show, give us a good review and leave us five stars. Now, let's get into that first story. Everyone, every single person right now is crossing their fingers and hoping that, yes, Liz Cheney, you run for president because people on the left are saying Liz is such a principled Republican and she could restore the Republican Party. And then people on the right are like, that would be the funniest smackdown in U.S. political history when Donald Trump roasts Liz Cheney on stage in the GOP primaries. Liz Cheney says she is thinking about running for president following her resounding primary defeat. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, what is it? 38 points. Liz Cheney lost by 38 points. This is a landslide for Hageman. This is a blowout for Liz Cheney. She was just obliterated. You know, the funniest thing about it is we're doing Timcast IRL last night. And we call it Liz Cheney defeat watch party. And people are like, don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. And then I'm like, I don't even know if we're going to get the results in time. And then at like 925, Ian is like, so what? We're not going to know if she won or lost for three days. And then we all laughed. And then I think Derek Harvey mentioned like, and then you got the 3 a.m. ballots. And then you got the next week ballots. And then with 4% reporting, I am going to stress this for all of you, 4% reporting. They called it for Hageman. Ooh, that's how bad it was for Liz Cheney. And now she's saying she's going, she's thinking about running for president. Okay, so she ha- she gets asked. I'll, I'll show you this. She gets asked, right? Let me see. If the we- former president said last night, you're now headed to political oblivion. You said this fight is just beginning. You've even uh, launched a political organization already. So let's just be straight about it. Are you considering running for president yourself? 
Well, what I'm going to do, Savannah... Okay, okay, here she goes, saying, I'm going to keep the fight up against Donald Trump. And then uh, the, the, the host for today says... You know, with all due respect, you didn't answer the question. We do whatever it takes to keep Donald Trump out of the Oval Office. Well, I know you didn't say yes or no, and that's fine if you're thinking about it. But are you thinking about it? Are you thinking about running for president? It, uh, that's a decision that I'm going to make in the in the coming months, Savannah. I'm not going to make any announcements here this morning, but uh, but it is something that I uh, I'm thinking about, and I'll make a decision uh, in the coming months. She is thinking about running for president. Please. Please. I'd like to give a shout out to Tim Cast's good friend, Adam Kinzinger. Of course, I mean that uh, obviously uh, facetiously. Kinzinger said Liz Cheney will chase Donald Trump to the gates of hell. Wow. Adam, I know Liz Cheney is going to hell, but I don't think she'll find Donald Trump there. Ah, zinger. I thought it was, I can't believe he actually said that Liz Cheney will chase Donald Trump to the gates of hell. You could say a bunch of different things like, yes, but not by choice. Um, the one I just did, you know, yes, but she's not going to find Donald Trump there. Or quite simply, you can keep Donald Trump out of it and be like, yes, yes, we get it. Adam, Liz Cheney is going to hell. Many of us agree. The warmongering neocon establishment shills are being removed. And it is glorious to see. Now, Liz Cheney lost. And let me just talk about, wow, amazing. I'm, I'm surprised she won any precincts at all. But let's just talk about the narcissism, the psychopathy of a person like Liz Cheney. First, I'd like you all to bask in the sweet glory that is a near 38 point spread. Yo, last night, Jack was like, are we going to see a 30 point spread between Hageman and Cheney? Like, that's how bad it's going to be. And I'm like, I think it's going to be more. And it was more, almost 40 percent. And I'm just like, who is who is voting for this person, right? And who else are they voting for? And uh, you just, you know, as much as we can laugh about Liz Cheney losing, I just want to point out 49,000 people voted for her. Yo, Wyoming, what's up? Wyoming is MAGA country. They have one congressional district. It's at large because I think there's only like 500,000 people living there. Yo. MAGA country, the number one most Trump supporting state in 49,000. I mean, she's still got 28.9% of the state. As much as we can gloat and laugh about Liz Cheney being voted out, it is still kind of sad that it wasn't, you know, like 99% Hageman. You know, to be fair to like Anthony Bouchard or whoever else, 95% Hageman. Fine, whatever. You ready for this? Jack Posobiec. Liz Cheney compares herself to Abraham Lincoln. That's right, Jack. And she also compared herself to Ulysses S. Grant. I cannot, you know, I don't know. I want to say I can't believe it. But yo, knowing this woman, oh, I can believe it. The narcissistic, the malignant narcissism. That is deeply evil people like Liz Cheney. Let me tell you, let me tell you. January 6th is a sham. It's a lie. The, the January 6th committee hearings, okay? It's not adversarial. They, they've already lied on numerous occasions. They smeared me, Jamie Raskin, and then Raskin's had the nerve to, to send me texts requesting money. No joke, because they do these blanket texts where they just spam people. It's like, bro, screen your lists before you text people. Okay, how about that? But they're lying. That's what they do. And Liz Cheney, you know, she's coming out and they got these uniparty shills being like, Liz Cheney, 
could have chosen, I think the Lincoln Project said something like this, she could have chosen to be the representative if she just went along with Trump's lies, but she refused and chose honor instead. No, quite the opposite. Liz Cheney could have stood up for the people. You can, uh, 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 let me, let me just, let me just tell you guys, I think Donald Trump is wrong about the fraud narrative. I have seen a lot of the claims. I have seen questionable circumstances. And I think people on the right underestimate the power of mass media. And I think the fact that they're trying to indict Trump and destroy Alex Jones shows they don't have the control you think they have. You can and will win if you just do not submit to defeatism. If you go out and get all your friends and go out. But, but here's the point. I think Trump's wrong. Now, certainly, if you want to make arguments, as I said the other day, about changing voter rules and stuff, we're in agreement on that one. You know, Pennsylvania expanding universal mail-in voting. I think these things heavily favor Democrats. So, so we get it, right? We get it. Now, the point is, I can, I can disagree with all of the Trump supporters and Trump and still say he's the better choice for president and not be what Liz Cheney is. If Liz Cheney wanted to stand on principle, she could say something like, I will not agree or side with Democrats. They've done horrible, bad things. And Donald Trump is wrong about this. But we need someone to secure the border, help bring jobs back for the working class, things that we were seeing, help American energy independence, resist garbage policies, woke nonsense. Instead, she's throwing in with, with the cult and then claiming it's for honor. No, if you're principled, you'd say you're a Republican, but they've gone too far and here are the things they're doing that's wrong. Instead, she's leading a crusade against the one guy standing in the way of all of these things. No, she's a uniparty establishment shill who compares herself to Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, come on. The great and original champion of our party, Abraham Lincoln, ah. was defeated in elections for the Senate and the House before he won the most important election of all. We knew it, that she was going to try and run for president. And oh, man, when you are defeated to such an, a, a mind-blowingly insane degree, to think that you can run for president is just insane. Are you going to run as a Democrat? You think at the national level, Republicans are going to vote for you? You're nuts. It's remarkable. And you know, this is what really, what really grinds my gears. When people, look, if you want to come out and talk about rule changes, as, as I mentioned in the fraud stuff, please do so. These are important things to address. Georgia, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, voter in the park. The, the, the ballot drop boxes have been ruled illegal. All of these things, please criticize and highlight. These are procedural things that took place before the election that heavily favored Democrats. We need to, we need to get rid of those things. But what I can't stand is when people come out and say, oh, well, they're going to cheat anyway. And I'm like, no, 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 sorry. I don't care if you really believe it. You cannot come out three months before the midterms after watching Carrie Lake win, after watching Liz Cheney get defeated, after seeing eight of the 10 Republicans who went up against Donald Trump to impeach him, and only two of them have managed to eke out a win. You cannot watch the crushing defeats they faced with nearly every Every uh, endorsement Donald Trump gave one and then be like, oh, we can't win anyway, because no, 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 no. I, I, I just I can't do it, man. I understand. You know, you want to do inquiries. You want to do investigations. Of course, go for it, please. But right now, there's one thing we need to be doing. We need to be saying they have broken they, they have broken their ranks. 
The center is collapsing among the establishment. It is time to charge forward, get 10 of your friends and go out and vote because the enemy has been routed. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Tim Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Yo, this is that moment not to be screaming, but, but, but they're gonna, but they've got more powerful weapons and what's the point? No, now's the time to say, Liz Cheney has been obliterated with a 38 point spread. Wow. She got crushed. Carrie Lake dominating, sweeping Arizona. And she wants those investigations too. Great. Whatever it is you believe. When you get America first populists into the into Congress and we can actually start to put pressure on the Uniparty, as we've already been doing, y'all are winning, winning. They're going after Alex Jones with everything they have because of how influential he is. And look, And I can say it again. Why Liz Cheney is dishonorable? Because I can be critical of Alex Jones for a lot of things he said and still defend his right to to have a platform and report the news. And and look, when you when you, you can't defame people, I think they've gone way over the top with these suits. But the point is, you can be critical of someone while still recognizing recognizing what they do and their right to do it or very often why it's better that they're doing it compared to the machine like Liz Cheney would rather have Joe Biden it's it's just patently absurd. The man, the quid pro quo with Ukraine, Hunter Biden, the crack pipe, all that stuff. And she has the nerve to come. You can come out and be like, I don't like Donald Trump. Fine. But the Democrats are just off their rails and we can't have Hunter Biden and Joe doing whatever it is they're doing. No, but she's she is a she is a narcissistic uniparty shill who is outraged that Donald Trump came into their party. It's my party. Yeah, she could, but she doesn't want to do it. So let me stress one more time before we read more on the hilarity that is Liz Cheney's defeat. Let me just say it once again. Ladies and gentlemen, there are many people standing in ranks in this great political battle as we as we uh, enter the midterms. Voting is more important than ever across the board, and so is grassroots organizing. Y'all have done a tremendous job going out and voting and getting rid of of these awful uniparty neocon establishment trash politicians like Liz Cheney. The war is not yet over. The midterms are coming up. And the most important thing is that you go get all of your friends, 
You go door to door, politely and calmly, knocking and asking people if they've gone to vote, if they've registered. Take your cues from Scott Pressler. Help register people to vote. That is one of the major indicators of victory. I was reading a, st- a, a, a study and it said something like 80% of people who register, register to vote, vote in, their, uh, in the year they registered or something, something like that. Like they will vote their first election after registering. This is what needs to happen is the grassroots activism. Watching the Democrat, Uniparty, Republican, neocon establishment break, break ranks and their center is collapsing. This is the time to go out and vote. And then We'll see 40 seats lost in the House. We'll see the Senate flip Republican. And maybe then we can get some real accountability or at least some pushback. I'm not confident Republicans are going to do what everyone needs to do or what needs to be done. But this is what we're watching right now. Liz Cheney being ousted. This is the change to the Republican Party to bring in the people who will do those things. And that's why I've been saying the nonstop, the primaries are the most important things. And sure enough, Donald Trump's endorsements, they win. They want to claim all these awful things about Trump. Yeah, Trump deserves to be criticized, but y'all are nuts for supporting the Democrats and their insanity. They're burning this country to the ground. Liz Cheney blames 37 point loss on Trump and says she is thinking about running for president, accuses Donald of lying about Mar-a-Lago raid, slams Republicans and says nation is facing biggest challenge since the Civil War. Ah, here we go. Lady, you lost. You've lost. Good. I want to give a shout out to Dave Reaboy. He has a great thread, a great article. He says, if Donald Trump really is the, quote, greatest ever threat to our republic, what's the limiting principle? What kinds of civil liberties violations doesn't it justify? It's a really, really good point. He says, some of us are looking back on the war on terror and realizing that these people are just addicted to the idea of confronting a monumental evil. And if there's no actual evil around that's monumental enough, no worries, their opposition takes on all of those attributes. Yo, they could have gone up against wokeness and communism. That's a shame because obviously there are evils out there, but there's a political personality type that rewatches Churchill in World War II documentaries, wistfully hoping they too could one day do battle with apocalyptic forces. That impulse is natural, but it can be perverted. I think the first thing Dave said is really, really important. What's the limiting principle? There isn't one. He wrote an article, A Few Good Reasons to Hate Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney hates Donald Trump so much. She is so narcissistic and psychotic. These people's brains have shattered. There's no nuance. There's no context. That they don't care to destroy the fabric of this fabric of this country to go after evil. He's taking over my party. I don't care about Hillary Clinton losing her party, and I don't care about the Republicans, Mitch McConnell or Mitt Romney or Liz Cheney losing their party. I am sick of the corporate establishment shills and their lies. Marjorie Taylor Greene has got merchandise saying defund the FBI. And along comes the leftists screeding and hooting and yelling at her. And I'm like, bro, you've won. Jimmy Dore, oh, look, he's trending. He comes out and says, when right wing people come out and agree with you, you say, thank you. You're correct. Yes, please. You don't start spitting on them. And that's how you know these people are cultists. And the same is true for many people on the right. You know, I see people like AOC. She was, uh, you had Alex Stein call her a big booty Latina. And then she got all mad about it. And she said they need capital security. But something interesting happened. She went on to say that she doesn't know who opened the doors, that there are police 
inside the Capitol building that had opened the doors or someone did. And they won an investigation into who? And I was like, yes, AOC is correct. And a lot of people started ragging on her. And I'm like, why are you ragging on her? She's right. This is what I can't stand. I'm not going to insult Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez when she says things that are correct. I'm going to criticize her and I will rag on her when she lies, when she's manipulative. You know, like she lied about the Capitol story in the first place when she was like the cop came to her door and knocked and said, where is she? And she's like, oh, no, they made it to my room. I might die. The story happened a full hour before the Capitol was breached. She made it up. It didn't happen. Someone may have come to a room, but she wasn't scared for her life. That made no sense unless she's paranoid and delusional. And so I'll criticize her for that hands down. But the moment she comes out and she says, we need an investigation into the cops on January 6th, I'm like, yes, AOC, you're correct. Thank you. Thank you very much. I don't understand why it's so hard for so many people. Now, to be fair, on the right, what do I end up seeing? Disaffected liberals, the politically homeless, these individuals are standing with conservatives. And it's not, it's not, it's not because it's a cult. It's because conservatives are more likely to hold these positions that you can praise AOC when she's right and criticize her when she's wrong. But on the left, they praise Liz Cheney because she hates Trump. That makes no sense. She's a terrible person. Now, I've seen some leftists, no, no, no joke, say she votes in line with Donald Trump. She supports war. She's she's an establishment. She's the daughter of, of Dick Cheney. Like, you know, we don't want to blame someone for the sins of the father, but you can see that her politics are rooted in, in her, her, uh, her family. Like her values are represented by, you know, uh, by her actions. And it's, ref- and, 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 it's a, and, and it's so similar to what Dick Cheney did. You can't see the resemblance. And the left doesn't care. They say if she loses, the Republican Party is dead. What, you're happy the Republican Party was a bunch of neocons? Yeah, it's laughable, man. On the right, it's the exception. On the left, it's the rule. The left is a tribalist cult that will support Liz Cheney if it hates if if it if it helps them hate Donald Trump. The right, it's the exception. It does happen, but the but the rule is self-reflection. And I think maybe this is a remnant of censorship. That was this is what we've seen, or this is what I've mentioned going back to the Joe Rogan podcast. That here's what happens: they ban the most uh, egregious right-wing individuals, the most egregious. And so the prominent personalities on the right end up being more moderate, uh, center-right and right-wing, not far-right. On the left, they allow them to say whatever they want. So the most prominent voices are the most insane. And so what you end up getting is a pragmatic, moderate, conservative coalition. And on the left, you get psychotic nonsense, cult circular firing squad. It's almost like, I got to tell you, my, my, my conspiracy theory right now, and I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying it's a funny conspiracy theory, is that the FBI and the government is actually helping Trump. That's right. Liz Cheney is actually trying to help Trump. The FBI trying to help Trump. That's right. The conspiracy theory goes, China is undermining the US and uh, uh, propping up wokeness and other insanity. And see, the FBI and, the, and, and people in government know this. And they also know that if they come out supporting Trump, it's not going to work and there's going to be further destabilization. So what they need to do is they need to actually oppose Trump. That's right. Why? When the FBI raided Trump, his polling improved. Liz Cheney going after Trump create, uh, proves the, the insanity and tribalism of the, of the establishment left. So everything they're doing is just helping Donald Trump and helping America first populists. 
it's almost like it's on purpose, isn't it? Or, you know, as fun as that may sound, the reality is they're just insane people who do things that are so insane they're driving regular people away and they're going to lose. I look at everything they've done and I say, you know what? We are winning. The moderates, the more libertarian minded people, the people who believe in American values, we're the ones winning. Be you a conservative or liberal. You know, Naomi Wolf's a liberal and she came out and she was like, the Democrats are trying to criminalize being a Republican. It's a funny thing for an old liberal to say. And she ragged on the cult and the attack on free speech and all that stuff. People have woke, many people have woken up to this. Liz Cheney is done. Goodbye. You know, if she runs for president, it would be hilarious. There's no way she wins a primary, but she'll do it to sell books, right? Yeah, I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. We may be looking at the beginnings of World War III. It's been said by many people, many people much more informed and smarter than I. There have been statements from powerful, prominent individuals that World War III has already begun, and we just wouldn't know it. The big breaking news, China to send troops to Russia for joint military exercise. Now they're claiming it's unrelated to the current international and regional situation. But I call BS. It's not just Russia. It's also Belarus. It's Mongolia. It's India. It's Tajikistan. It's other countries. But Belarusian involvement says to me very much so the war in Ukraine. We've heard that there's a military operation in Crimea, a major escalation of the war with NATO and the U.S. bankrolling this. Joe Biden delivering billions of dollars to the Ukrainians. You think Russia thinks it's just them versus Ukraine? No, they've been saying that it's World War Three. They've been saying, they're propagandists at least, that this is Russia versus NATO. And now there's Taiwan. There's so much big news here. Often we get wrapped up in domestic policy issues. I know we're all excited about Liz Cheney getting defeated in her primary, but there are very powerful worldly affairs at play. A second congressional delegation went to Taiwan, which is insane. It was bad enough when Nancy Pelosi went there. I can respect her, you know, going. It's brave. And China does not dictate where we send politicians. But was it necessary? China responded by, with military drills firing missiles over Taiwan, apparently some of which landed in Japan's territorial waters, which some could argue is an act of war. But nobody wants war. As much as people may be preparing for it, the reality is nobody really wants it except the Bowyers, the weapons manufacturers, those who would make the arms and sell them. They profit off the war. And so they're probably gearing up and excited. They can probably sell weapons in all directions. We'll see. As China's preparing for this military operation, there's a very real threat that they'll move in to take Taiwan. The U.S. will have some resistance, but war ultimately will break out if the U.S. cannot protect Taiwan. And I'm not entirely sure it should or could, but if, if it doesn't, then what's to stop China from expanding in the South China Sea, oppressing Vietnam, Japan and other countries? Japan's already been gearing up for war as well. Now, we'd look to China. And we look at the military operations as if that's the sign, but it's not. It's a signal that something may be coming, but the signs, the real evidence that war may be coming. There's a drought. There's a potential food shortage. There is a food shortage, I should say. There's power outages, rolling blackouts, a housing crisis. China's economy is in dire straits and desperation can lead to war. Now, over in the U.S., there's something similar. 
we have an economic crisis, but we're, you know, fairly fat and happy. We also have a housing crisis. We have economic problems. But if you were to compare the two countries, it looks like China's substantially worse. Right now, there's a mortgage boycott. Citizens are refusing to pay their bills. And there is a food shortage and a drought. Now, you can talk about the U.S. engaging in surreptitious methods to damage an economy to try and win, win a Cold War. I don't think the U.S. has the capabilities to make a drought happen as much as many people might want to believe that's the case. Now, I really don't believe it. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. We may be looking here in the United States at a civil war, or maybe not. Maybe what happens is that come, 20, come uh, the 2022 midterms, just I should say the November midterms in less than three months, Republicans win. There's accountability for the uniparty. Donald Trump comes in in 2024 and the U.S. is saved from the worst possible outcome, civil war. But regardless of what happens, it seems like war with China is gradually becoming a reality. And hopefully it doesn't. But they are preparing for this. Taiwan is responding. Fears of World War Three are escalating. And China is warning the U.S. to get their military out of their waters, what they believe are their waters. I don't know how much longer this can go on, but it does not look with the way things are going economically that there will be de-escalation. I want to read this story. But before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member to help support our work. As a member, you'll get access to all of our shows like the TimCast IRL Uncensored After Hours show. And we just launched the new Cast Castle weekly show with special guest Jack Posobiec, who engaged in a very comedic bit, which is very funny. You guys are going to enjoy it. I'm not going to pretend like our production quality is like Hollywood level stuff. We're just getting the ball rolling. You know, my motto is just start doing it. And that's what we're doing here with the new Cast Castle show. It is behind the scenes. It is a tour of the house, but we throw in jokes and we make it fun. So I think you guys will like it. And uh, we also have Tales from the Inverted World, Pop Culture Crisis, all that really great stuff. Smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. And let me start by reading this headline from NBC News, China to send troops to Russia for joint military exercise. Beijing's participation in the joint exercise was, quote, unrelated to the current international and regional situation, the country's defense ministry said in a statement, though I really don't believe it. They can say what they want. Now, before I read this, I want to give a separate uh, shout out to Kurtzkesaget. Yes, that's the YouTube channel. Kurtz Gisaget. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Nearly 20 million subscribers. On August 16th, they published a video, which is number four on trending on YouTube, is civilization on the brink of collapse. And uh, a lot of people are sharing this, just pointing out that um, 
Timing, I guess. But the timing makes sense. There's a reason why it has 4 million views overnight. I mean, take a look at this. It's because everybody's thinking about it. Because there is concern about World War III, nuclear war, or even civil war. Now, they mentioned in the video, even in the worst collapses of, say, the Roman Empire and other empires, only about 10% of the population died. But uh, 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 you need to think about what that means. If we're talking about a global war, this would be 800 million people dying. If it's a civil war, we're talking about 30 million people dying. Okay, let's be fair. Let's say 20 million. Maybe I don't want to exaggerate. These, are, these, are, these would still be very devastating times. NBC News reports, Chinese troops will travel to Russia to take part in joint military exercises led by the, by the host and including India, Belarus, Mongolia, Tajikistan, and other countries, China's defense ministry said on Wednesday. China's participation in the joint exercises was unrelated to the current situation. Last month, Moscow announced plans to hold Vostok East exercises from August 30th to September 5th, even as it wages a costly war in Ukraine. It said at the time that some foreign forces would participate without naming them. Its last such exercise took place in 2018 when China took part for the first time. China's defense ministry said its participation in the exercises was part of an ongoing bilateral annual cooperation agreement with Russia. The aim is to deepen practical and friendly cooperation with the armies of participating countries, enhance the level of strategic collaboration among the participating parties, and strengthen the ability to respond to various security threats. Under Chinese President Xi Jinping and his Russian counterpart Vladimir Putin, Beijing and Moscow have grown increasingly close. Now, we will, I will stop here. 2018, they had their first exercise. And many people may be saying, OK, well, look, you know, this, is, this isn't about Taiwan or Ukraine. They've been planning this. The crisis in Ukraine has been going on well before even the Euromaidan revolution or, or uh, ousting of Yanukovych, whatever you want to call it, in Ukraine in 2014. It was actually there for its start. It's crazy to witness. Vladimir Putin has been paying attention to what's been going on for a long time. And has a lot to do with the Middle East, with Syria and the fall of Syria. And you think that after watching all of these actions, Russia did not talk with China about the increasing potential for hostilities? It's all part of the same system. So they're going to say on the surface, it's not about Taiwan and Ukraine. The bigger picture? Of course it is. And why do you think they would need to team up with Russia? Because they're at odds with the United States. NBC News goes on to say, China's defense ministry said it part, its participation in the exercise was part of an ongoing bilateral agreement. On, uh, so we read that shortly before Russia's February 24th invasion of Ukraine, Beijing and Moscow announced a no limits partnership. Although U.S. officials say they have not seen China evade U.S. led sanctions on Russia or provide it with military equipment. Russia's eastern military district includes part of Siberia and has its headquarters in Khabarovsk near the Chinese border. Now, I'm going to pop over to this uh, map here and show you what we got here. This is, uh, I, I believe, this is Vostok. This is their eastern um, oblast, I believe. It is, is that, um, I could be getting it wrong. I'm not an expert on Russian geography. Uh, this is where the city of Vladivostok is. Now, I don't know if that is exactly where they're going to be uh, engaging in um, these, these operations. It would make sense, sort of. But they also have other borders with China, so maybe more to the north. World War Three tensions rising, reports the sun. World War Three fears grow as China ramps up military drills near Taiwan. It's from last week. 
China engaged in military drills, which nearly, I would say, which is bringing us to the brink of war, firing these missiles over Taiwan. I mean, it's crazy stuff because any other country doing that, you're declaring war on them. But Taiwan is in this precarious position. Will the U.S. be able to protect them? And I think that was the point of, the, of, of what China was, was doing. If China was firing missiles over Japan, yeah, there would be some very serious consequences there. What about Taiwan? The Sun reports President Xi Jinping's troops exercises near the contested island were due, uh, were due to end Sunday. But China pledged yesterday to continue its live missile firing and drills involving warships, fighter jets and troops. The ominous move effectively blockades Taiwan as ships struggle to steer clear of military action in the 100 mile wide strait between the island and the Chinese mainland. This is what you need to understand. China is attacking Taiwan, period. This is not a drill. That's semantics. They are engaged in an attack. I'll give you a I'll use a video game analogy. You ever play like Civilization, Sid Meier's Civilization or anything like that? If you fortify military troops in the territorial region of another nation in the game, you are declaring war. That's how the game works. OK, it's a video game, not real life. But let's simplify it for you even more so. I, I shouldn't say simplify, but let, let, let me let me just come out and say it. China has has basic has effectively blockaded Taiwan from receiving outside resources. If they continue this, food and other resources will deplete in the island nation, weakening the country, making it easier for China to invade. The invasion of China into Taiwan may be nearing and it may be soon. And when that happens, yo man, World War Three maybe? I don't know. I mean, I hate to say it because we've seen regional conflict before. We don't know where it ends, but we've already got war in Eastern Europe. History is condensed when we read it. This could be it. China is cutting off Taiwan from resources, soaking the dishes before washing them, as it were. I'm not trying to, down, uh, to diminish the threat here. I'm trying to point out what they're doing is weakening Taiwan. Taiwan responds. Reuters reports Taiwan's air force flexes muscles in face of Chinese war games. Yeah, they call it war games. But I think it's I, I, I think it's crazier than that. They're 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 locking down Taiwan. Reuters says Taiwanese F-16 fighters roared into the night on Wednesday in a show of force in front of the media, demonstrating the military's determination to defend the democratically governed island in the face of days of Chinese war games. China which claims Taiwan as its territory has been carrying out military exercises around the island after a visit earlier this month by Pelosi. That was on the 8th. They reported they were extending it. It's now been nine days and they are still engaging in these hostilities. From time, China warns the U.S. against sailing warships through the, the, through the Taiwan Strait. The rhetoric is there. The actions are there. And then comes the provocation. U.S. congressional delegation arrives in Taiwan in second high-level visit in a month. What do you think is happening? We know what happened when Nancy Pelosi made this move. Another delegation made the same move? I think a statement is being made by these individuals, and whether intentionally or not, by the United States. Nancy Pelosi going there poked the bear. And, it, and, they say, and, and, and we said to the United States, we're going. You can't stop us. China wagged the finger and engaged in these war games. 
Then the U.S. sends another delegation. So why is China still firing missiles and locking down Taiwan? Well, for one, it is weakening Taiwan, allowing China to gear up for, a, for an invasion of the island. Again, potentially triggering, triggering World War III or some kind of major international escalation. Or it could be they're responding to this. France 24 reports. The unannounced trip, two-day trip, came after Beijing sent warships, missiles, and jets into the waters and skies around Taiwan. The five-member congressional delegation led by Senator Ed Markey of Massachusetts was due to hold a meeting with President uh, Tsai Ing-wen on Monday morning following a banquet at the foreign ministry. Their visit will focus on trade, regional security, and climate change, Washington's de facto embassy in Taipei, Taipei said. Taiwan's foreign ministry hailed the visit as another sign of a friendship between Taipei and Washington that is not afraid of China's threats and intimidation. But the bipartisan trip sparked another caustic response from Beijing, which has drawn down its drills but pressed on with military patrols in the Taiwan Strait. State news agency Xinhua published a uh, commentary after the lawmakers' arrival on Sunday with headlines, U.S. politicians should stop playing with fire on Taiwan question. It called the visiting American lawmakers opportunists thinking about their own political interests as November's midterm elections draw near. Those U.S. politicians who are playing with fire on the Taiwan question should drop their wishful thinking. There is no room for compromise or concessions when it comes to China's core interests. Taiwan's government has accused Beijing of using Pelosi's visit as an excuse to kickstart drills that would allow it to rehearse foreign invasion and also barricade the country. That decades-old threat was reiterated in a white paper published last week when China's Taiwan Affairs Office said it would not renounce the use of force against its neighbor and reserve the option of taking all necessary measures. It added, however, we will only be forced to take drastic measures to respond to the provocation of separatist elements or external forces should they ever cross our red lines. Pelosi has stood by her visit, but President Joe Biden said the U.S. military was opposed to the trip by his fellow Democrat, who was second in line to the presidency after the vice president. Congress is constitutionally an equal branch of government, with lawmakers free to travel where they wish, and Taiwan enjoys bipartisan backing in divided Washington. The United States switched diplomatic relations from Taipei to Beijing in 1979, but it remains a key ally of Taiwan and maintains de facto diplomatic relations with Taipei. This is why I think the threat of war is real. You know, we can talk about saber rattling and, and posturing and all that all day and night, because that happens all the time. But the AP is reporting, as of yesterday, high temperatures and drought in China affect drinking water and crops. When asked about the use of nuclear weapons in the Ukrainian conflict, Russia responded that only if they are facing an existential threat, meaning the end of Russia. Well, that's kind of common sense. To preserve their institutions and control, they will use nuclear weapons. Now, what about China? China is facing an existential threat. Drought, drinking water, housing crisis, high temperatures, power outages. Do you think the CCP will sit, sit back and be like, it's been a good ride, boys. Let's call it. Or do you think they're going to say quite simply, come hell and, or high water, we will not lay down. Do you think the CCP will use any means necessary to survive? That means war. The AP reports unusually high temperatures and a prolonged drought are affecting large swaths of China, reducing crop yields and drinking water supplies. The lack of rain has been especially marked in the southwestern megacity of Chongqing, which encompasses a large area of mountains and rivers. 
State media on Tuesday reported fire trucks and uh, fire trucks were delivering water to outlying villages for for drinking and irrigating crop irrigating crops. Rainfall in Chongqing has been half of what it usually is expected for the year, and some smaller waterways have dried up entirely. Authorities have issued warnings of temperatures exceeding 40 degrees Celsius, 104 degrees Fahrenheit. Many parts of China have broken records for high temperatures this year. Amid the drought, other areas of China have been hit by flash floods, underscoring the effects of climate change on the vast nation of 1.4 billion, stretching from the mountains and deserts of Central Asia to the South China Sea. The Chongqing drought has affected more than 600,000 people and 36,700 hectares, 90,690 acres of crops, the Xinhua News Agency reported. Neighboring Hubei province has also been badly hit, with some areas reporting the growing season a complete failure. It's getting scary, yo. Some are saying that the food shortage won't be nearly as bad this fall. The harvest is supposed to be brutal. In the spring, with the war in Russia, a lack of fertilizer exports, we've been looking at a major crop failure. But some have said, look, we do have many crops that persist throughout the years, uh, you know, throughout the year, I'm sorry, and we'll probably have enough going into the fall, but it'll be scary. Next year is when it will get really, really bad. I hope not. I hope this is the worst. But China isn't just dealing with food shortages, with a drought. The New York Times reports, as China's economy stumbles, homeowners boycott mortgage payments. In a rare act of defiance, people across the country who bought property from indebted developers are refusing to repay loans on their unfinished apartments. The New York Times says for decades, buying property was considered a safe investment in China. Now, instead of building a foundation of wealth for the country's middle class, real estate has become a source of discontent and anger. In more than 100 cities across China, Hundreds of thousands of Chinese homeowners are banding together and refusing to repay loans on unfinished properties, one of the most widespread acts of public defiance in a country where even minor protests are quelled. The boycotts are part of the fallout from a worsening Chinese economy, slowed by COVID lockdowns, travel restrictions, and wavering confidence in the government. The country's economy is on a path for its slowest growth in decades. Its factories are selling less to the world, and its consumers are spending less at home. On Monday, the government said youth unemployment had reached a record high. Compounding these financial setbacks are the troubles of a particularly vulnerable sector, real estate. Quote, life is extremely difficult and we can no longer afford the monthly mortgage. Homeowners in China's central Hunan province wrote in a letter to local officials in July. We have to take risks out of desperation and follow the path of a mortgage strike. The mortgage rebellions have roiled a property market facing the fallout from a decades-long housing bubble. It has also created unwanted complication for President Xi Jinping, who is expected to coast to a third term as party leader later this year on a message of social stability and continued prosperity in China. So far, the government has scrambled to limit the attention garnered by the boycotts. After an initial flurry of mortgage strike notices went viral on social media, the government's internet censors kicked into action. But the influence of the strikes has already begun to spread. Now, we rag on China a lot. I mean, we as the United States, and there is a lot to rag on them for. The Chinese firewall, the great censors. Yeah. What do you think's happening here in the U.S.? Alex Berenson is preparing a lawsuit against the White House for seeking his censorship on Twitter. And then he was a clear violation of the First Amendment. Now, I think China's substantially worse than the U.S. I think the U.S. is one of the best countries on the planet. But we've got things to, to own up for as well. 
I'm not here to rag on the United States entirely. No, I think we do a pretty good job. I'm here to point out we better do a better job. If we do not do better and defend our freedoms, we will end up no different than the Chinese Communist Party, uniparty rule. We joke that you've got the establishment, which is neocons and Democrats, but the establishment is faltering. A real opportunity for another party to compete is happening, the MAGA party within the Republican Party. But the establishment neocon Republican types are losing. Liz Cheney's been defeated. So there is a hope that things turn around here. For China, I'm not so convinced. With a single party, the game they're playing, it ends in the board being flipped over by their own population. They're going to say, the number of, pro- of properties where collectives of homeowners have started or threatened to boycott has reached 326 nationwide, according to a crowdsourced list titled We Need Home on GitHub, an online repository. ANZ Research estimates that the boycotts could affect about $222 billion of home loans sitting on bank balance sheets, or roughly 4% of outstanding mortgages. Any momentum behind the mortgage strikes would add to a growing number of economic issues facing the Chinese Communist Party. When a rural bank froze withdrawals in Henan province in, the central, in central China, it set off a violent showdown between depositors and security forces. Recent college graduates are struggling to find work with youth unemployment at 20%. Small businesses, the biggest provider of jobs, are fighting to survive under the constant threat of COVID-19 lockdowns. Viral video recently showed people in an Ikea in China, I think it was Ikea, One person tested positive, so they tried sealing the building, locking everybody in, and they fought their way out. Real estate drives about one third of China's economic activity, by some estimates, and housing accounts for about 70% of household wealth, making it the most important investment for most Chinese people. In 2020, to address concerns about an overheating property market in which homeowners would often buy apartments before they were built, China started to crack down on excessive borrowing by developers. Now it's It's similar in the U.S. I don't know to what percentage property and real estate uh, makes up uh, family's wealth. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But the ability to own property and transfer that property to the next generation is how wealth is transferred. And it is where most people have their, their retirements, their equity, their money, what they have left. Wall Street Journal reporting, China's scorching heat leads to power cuts, factory disruptions. Foxconn, VW, Toyota plants hit in Sichuan. Crop output also effective, affected, sorry, effective, affected. Scorching heat leads to power cuts. Not looking good for China, man. As things get worse, their desperation will also continue to get worse. But who am I to judge? Here in the United States, we also have problems. But I bring that up not to say that uh, it's all our fault. I wonder how much of what's happening in China and how much of what is happening here is actually war. Take a look at this from the Daily Mail. Smash and grab. Brazen thieves steal liquor worth thousands of dollars from Los Angeles store with security standing by idly as looters cause chaos in Democrat-led city, which failed to recall woke DA George Gascon. Two thieves are caught on video stealing hard liquor from a busy L.A. grocery store in broad daylight. 
The video follows the failed attempt to recall the county's progressive district attorney, George Gaston, after recall organizers failed to submit enough valid signatures. They did submit enough signatures. They weren't all valid. A lot of people, once again, are screaming foul play. I will just add this. We need to check the signatures. They came out outright and said, you know, 80,000 are not registered voters. That should be fairly easy to check for anybody. So that should be done. I'm not here to draw conclusions. I'm here to say, keep fighting for the recall if that's what you want. And now verify the verification process of those signatures. Regardless of that, though, the issue is our cities are in chaos. In this video, Dagan McDowell, who uh, works for Fox Business, Fox News, also rescues dogs, wrote on Twitter, when we come to work at 3 a.m. in New York City, this is what we see, frightening chaos. In this video, you just see people fighting randomly all over the place. It's not the first time we've seen videos like this. So sure, we can keep talking about how bad it is in other countries, but it's bad here too, and we all know it. Fox 5. Manhattan's Chelsea is a neighborhood known for its chic condominiums, greater restaurants, and tolerant community. Now, drug dealers and drug users are overrunning a part of the neighborhood, and residents are paying the price. Open-air drug markets in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia. These horrifying videos of kids getting off school buses and seeing drug abuse and people strung out. California, poop in the streets. I wonder... I wonder if Kurtzka Saget asked the right question. I wonder. Jumping back over to YouTube to show Kurtzka Saget in a nutshell's is civilization on the brink of collapse. I wonder. Now, I got to be honest. They don't actually really address the question. They kind of just talk about what would happen and could it happen, but not if we're on the brink of collapse. I think the issue is, yes, we are. But this video actually is really, 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 really great and very informative because it talks about what has happened and what could happen, not if it will right now. But they do entertain the possibility it could. Now, while many people often say that uh, an empire lasts 250 years, as Kurtz Kasekid points out, actually societies and civilizations actually last around 300 or so. That even with the fall of Roman Empire, the Ottoman Empire, I, I believe, was still in existence. Other empires still existed. Just because one falls doesn't mean everything does. And just because the United States might lose its position and the world may change doesn't mean humanity ceases to exist. But there was the Black Death in Europe. And what ends up happening is really strange, actually. They point out that after the fall of the Roman Empire, people lost the understanding of indoor plumbing. That's amazing. In the Roman Empire, they had certain technologies and infrastructure that was lost. So let me wrap this segment up with a final thought on all of this. You don't want civil war. You don't want societal collapse. You don't want World War III. A lot of people say they do. They're like, bring it on. It's the waiting I can't stand. They talk about the corruption in government. Well, maybe that means it's inevitable. And so I understand the waiting can't stand. But we really have to do everything to prevent this from happening. I don't have the answers. I know that when conflicting ideologies grow, they eventually clash. Thucydides' trap is an interesting concept that when a growing economic power is on the verge of displacing the dominant power, war tends to break out. But what about cultural ideology? When a growing cultural ideology is on the verge of displacing the dominant ideology, then perhaps civil war breaks out within a country or the world if it's ideological. It doesn't have to be economic. And that's where I think the United States is. And that's where I think the world is. 
if a major catastrophe happens, it would be in line with the Strassau generational theory, which states that in the next couple of years, we should be looking at a major crisis in the fourth turning. And if that happens, take a look to the Roman Empire to see what happens in the years following. Now, there's a big difference because of our ability to communicate and because of digitized infrastructure knowledge. But a really interesting point that scared me was brought up by Kurtzkesaget in this video. Much of our information is stored on servers. If society collapses and there's power outages, many of these servers will be lost. And, and you think, no, no, but Tim, the, the summation of human knowledge exists on the Internet. It does. But do you know where this video is stored? I don't. Very few people probably do. In fact, I can tell you this. The people who made the video don't even know where it's stored. If society were to face an imminent crisis and there were power outages, businesses collapsing, the data centers that hold the servers for much of the content that we read will be shut down. And then we can simply say, yes, the servers are still there. The information's still there. But how do you search them? There are data centers all over the world housing much of this information. Some of it's in China. If war to break out and a data center in New York shut down, you would simply walk away. Some might then say, I remember Tim Pool did this video where he talked about these important ideas. We need to bring those ideas back up and read and learn from history. And they'll say, yeah, but those are on the old Google servers. That could be anywhere in the country. Google's got data centers all over the place. How do we find which servers we have to turn back on if they're off? I guess we just have to start exploring. And what that means is, depending on how many people die in any kind of major war or collapse, it will be a process to try and seek out lost knowledge. It's remarkable to me when people say stuff like, we can't lose technology. We easily lose technology. I watched this really great video about how we started building skyscrapers to funnel heat effectively so that we can keep the, in, the, the insides cold using less electricity. We have uh, skyscrapers in many big cities, but for a while they couldn't go past seven or eight floors. Why? The heat accumulation was too much. It's boiling. You ever go to the top floor of a house in the summer? It's so hot, heat rises. We invented air conditioning, which allows us to capture heat and eject it out of the building, cooling the upper floors. It's funny because in this video, they talked about how there are some native tribes that build their, their huts and their structures to effectively funnel heat. And how did they figure out how to do this? They looked at anthills. There are ants that did that to evacuate heat from the colony to keep it cool. We, we've known as humans for a long time how to do this. The technology is lost. And it's, it's funny that it takes hundreds of years to finally be like, oh, we don't need to do air conditioning. We can just build a certain structure a certain way. We'll still need some air conditioning, right? Comfort. My point is simple. If there is a collapse, if there is a war, if there is civil war, you'll be surprised what luxuries today will be gone tomorrow. Because as they point out here, the Romans had indoor plumbing. After the fall of the Roman Empire, most people just dumped their feces in the streets. Isn't that amazing? The castles in, in medieval times they had chutes. You would go into the part of the castle and take a dump and it would just fall straight down a hole and then someone would have to shovel and clean it. I guess that technically counts as indoor plumbing. But it is sad to see that when the empire fell and civilization, civilization collapsed, knowledge was lost. Interesting days indeed. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then.
I'd like to start off this segment by uh, just saying I'm not a fan of sororities. I'm not a fan of fraternities. Don't really know all that much and don't care either. Just not for me, I guess. But you know what? I'm not going to rag on other people for wanting to do what they want to do. So whatever. But this is the latest story in the controversy surrounding trans issues in schools. A transgender student rejected from every sorority at the University of Alabama. This is a biological male who was trying to get into sororities, which, of course, are female. I guess. Well, what's how do you how do you define it? They're like clubs. I don't know. (laughs) Clubs for women and then fraternities, uh, a club for men. I guess it's like a brotherhood, a sisterhood. You go to college, you join, you build community with a group of people who share, you know, whatever fraternity or sorority that you're in. And then the trope, I guess, is when you graduate and you're applying for a job, you know, people look out for each other and things like that. Like, oh, you were in that fraternity too. How cool. Whatever. I'll be completely honest. I don't really know the full point other than you see like, what is it called? Rush week or whatever. I can only tell you this. They're segregated by biological sex. And now you have this story. Let's read the story and then we'll talk about the issue instead of me just ragging on sororities constantly and fraternities. Unfortunately, this chapter is closed. The student wrote, none of the 19 sororities at the University of Alabama were interested in having a male student named Grant Sykes join them this year. The student who uses she, her pronouns called the decisions extremely upsetting and sad in a TikTok video where Sykes had been documenting the sorority application journey. All right, here's here's what I want to say to this. Part of me is concerned about hoaxes, uh, like like uh, in stories like this. So right now you have in response to the story, this individual Grant Sykes is getting lucrative offers, I guess, it's what, what's popping up on the Internet. Uh, someone from the Today Show is trying to write about them. They gained over a million followers on TikTok, which is a whole other conversation about what uh, China may be doing in this country. But anyway, when I look at photos of Grant Sykes in the Instagram, I'm concerned that maybe not Grant, but eventually you are going to get an overt hoax on the system. And it's going to work. What I mean is this individual Grant Sykes isn't your traditional, uh, isn't what you'd expect when you when you think of a trans person, sort of. This is an individual using a male name as well as presenting overtly male, but you know, doing feminine things like wearing certain clothes. I mean, sort of. I don't even know, to be completely honest. I guess there's pictures of this individual wearing a dress and things like that. So my point is just, if somebody is using a male name, female pronouns, presents as male, and then just demands to be in the sorority, at what point is it just, is someone going to go to a sorority and be like, you gotta let me in, my name's Buck? Well, I mean, seriously, at what point? So here's the interesting thing about Alabama. There are no protections here. Let's, uh, let's read a little bit more. Sykes, pictured, wrote a note on Instagram. First and foremost, I would like to thank my family, friends, and everyone who came along, has come along during this journey with me from the thousands of messages to meeting the funniest people I had the best time. Unfortunately, this chapter is closed. This recruitment, recruitment journey is over for me. Being dropped from my last house this morning during primary recruitment at the University of Alabama doesn't come as a surprise, considering out of the almost 20 chapters I... 20 chapters, I was dropped by every single one except two before day one, Gamma Phi Beta and Kappa Alpha Theta. I'm hopeful for a future where everyone is welcomed for just being themselves and everywhere. Now, some people have claimed the reason 
this person was dropped was due to uh, drug use or something like that. I don't know if that's true, and I can't find anything backing that up. But I, I at least wanted to address that because that's actually what people are saying on social media. I don't think we need to discuss that. We can talk right about the, the issue of transgender uh, individuals, males trying to join sororities. Quote, if you're going through a hard time today, remember that life is too short to ponder on the things lost. Choose happiness and always look for the positive things throughout life. Sykes wrote further. Move on. See the good. See the bad. Hope for the best. Brave the worst. The student wrote in the Instagram letter. Sykes has generated millions of views on TikTok during Alabama Rush Week by documenting the recruitment journey. Sykes is not the first transgender student to be rejected from Greek life. Adam Davies was rejected from all 12 sororities at Northwestern University, according to the New York Post. Okay, so maybe not a million followers, millions of views. Uh, So, you know, let me just say, uh, first and foremost, I I wish Grant a, a happy and long life. Um... I'm, I'm fairly libertarian, man. I, I, I really don't care what people want to do and how they want to live their lives. And uh, I got no issue with Grant trying to join a sorority in the sense that anybody can try to do anything. It is the right of the sorority then to decide if this is appropriate and if they can move forward. Now, on the surface, everyone is acting as though this is strictly a, an issue of a trans person being discriminated against. And we don't even really know that because two of the uh, uh, sororities actually didn't boot the person right away. And for all you know, something else may be going on. I don't want to speak too much to Grant Sykes, but I do want to use this as an example to talk about what's going on in Alabama and why Grant Sykes will not win this one. Many people are saying there's going to be a lawsuit and that Grant is going to win and, and, and the, the sororities are going to pay out. Not true. Um, just, just, just not true. I mean, there may be a major uh, backlash and some negative press, but let me bring you to the Movement Advancement Project, LGBTMap.org, Alabama's LGBTQ policy tally. So let me just make sure I have this right. It says a University of Alabama. This is Alabama's uh, laws pertaining to orientation, identity, and their overall tally is negative. Negative. They think it is a, a bad place for people who are LGBTQ. Let me start by showing you state non-discrimination laws, and I'll tell you why this individual is not going to to win any lawsuits. In Alabama, there are no laws protecting individuals for employment, housing, public accommodation, credit and lending, and state employees as it pertains to orientation or identity. That means there's no grounds that Grant Sykes will be able to sue under, except there's a potential equal employment opportunity commission, federal courts thing, but this is not that. This is schools. Maybe it can fall on Title IX. Now, this is what I want to get to. The, the reason why I think this story is actually really important. Grant may actually be able to win a 1964 Civil Rights Act Title IX discrimination suit. And this is where I think things will start changing. First, let me address a little bit more of their LGBT youth laws and policies. In fact, Alabama has negative laws, they say, for LGBT, meaning, uh, well, as many conservatives would say, they're positive laws, but they view it negatively. That uh, non-discrimination doesn't exist. Anti-bullying laws don't exist. State curricular standards don't don't exist. But they do have a law barring or explicitly restricting educators from discussing LGBTQ people on issues in schools. That does exist. Now, I want to stress um, the law they're mentioning probably is like Florida's that addresses even straight people and they're just misconstruing it. They say state law prevents transgender students from participating in sports consistent with their gender identity. State law prevents them using, from using school facilities consistent with their identity. This is where things are going, my friends. 
Alabama is considered a, you know, a negative state. It's got an exclamation point. Say Oklahoma, Tennessee, and Alabama ban transgender students from using school facilities consistent with their identity. It's not likely this Grant Sykes person is going to be able to win in any of these regards. But there is something else that I think uh, people need to understand. There is a Title IX uh, identity or sexual um, uh, sex discrimination. Just, just straight up that. So I've talked about this before. In, uh, I was reading about a lawsuit in California because they had something like women programming clubs. And some guy tried joining. They rejected him, so he sued. And they said so long as the state, the university offers a male version, it's not discrimination. The only problem is that flies in the face of past precedent pertaining to segregation. I know that we have racial segregation precedent. You can't do it. The laws have been stricken and it's a violation of, I think it's like, well, like the Equal Protection Clause is that 14th Amendment, I think. So you can't racially segregate. The left is now using that argument to advance the idea that gender segregation be shut down. This is where things start to get interesting. Grant Sykes, presenting as male and using a male name, wants to join a sorority. Is there a sorority for men only? No. You know, you can argue that a fraternity is functionally the same, but like the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts, they will simply say, no, the Girl Scouts must admit boys and the Boy Scouts must admit girls, right? The argument is they are functionally different. The Girl Scouts don't do the same thing as the Boy Scouts, and the Boy Scouts don't do the same thing as the Girl Scouts. Fraternities are different from sororities. They're very, very similar, but they're different. So now you'll need to create a male fraternity and a female fraternity and a male sorority and a female sorority, even though I understand functionally they're meant to be that. That's not how it works. It's interesting when you look back at um, old arguments that were being made as for racial uh, per racial segregation, because now we're starting to get the left making the exact same arguments that were used against racial segregation to be used against gender segregation. And there's a few other things, obviously. The reason why we have a men's room and a women's room is not because sometimes people wear dresses. It's because some people have different biology. There you go. Interestingly, as I've pointed out before, one of the arguments made for racial segregation was a difference in biology. They saying, saying that, you know, white people tended to be, you know, like this and black people tended to be like that. And that was rejected. It doesn't matter. But we had someone on Timcast IRL who made a really great point in that regard. And he says, this makes sense completely. Racial segregation doesn't make sense and should be ended. And gender segregation does make sense and should be maintained. You can't try and make a moral logic argument that if you can't segregate there, you can't segregate there because around the world, there is no one type of black person. There is no one type of white person. There's no one type of Arabic person. So saying something like, if you're not white or you are for biological reasons, they segregate makes no sense. A guy from Somalia is going to be short. A guy from Haiti is going to be tall. How does that make sense? It doesn't. And so you'd then end up putting someone who's on average, you know, five foot five because of a racial preconception in a position that you had already claimed was dangerous because of, you know, biological differences. Doesn't make sense. As for gender, however, although there are women and men of varying heights, sizes, weights, and muscle mass, in every country of the world, in every human society, there are overt differences biologically between males and females that are the same. That is to say, no matter where you look, males have more skin collagen, have more muscle density, have more bone density, are taller on average. These are realities. Have a higher center of gravity, have a, a, a more slight Q angle, quadricep angle. 
Because of those things, we say, okay, we should create separate spaces. Partially because the idea was to keep women safe, but also to grant privacy between the two groups, the two distinct biologies. However, I am, uh, uh, I think, despite the potential, well, I'll put it this way. It is, it is very, very likely, in my opinion, if we move forward without changing anything, you give it 10, 20 years, there will be no men's room. There will be no women's room. There will be no women's sports. And, and for the most part, it will just be the elimination of women's spaces. That's it. Because women are the ones who tend to need protecting as opposed to men. Now, most violent crime victims are male. Okay. But women are at a disadvantage in defending themselves from most violent crime perpetrators who are male. So we create spaces to keep women safe. Now, the left has come in with the, the uh, semantic argument that trans women are women, and thus a women's room applies to trans women as well. Like I said, we did not create these rooms and these, uh, these uh, uh, did not segregate this because sometimes people wear dresses. So this is where we're going. Now, all that being said, I do think the laws are going to change and Republicans are probably going to start winning. And the gender ideology stuff, I don't see winning in the long term. I really, really don't. And it's really, really simple. And it may be cold and it may be callous, but the, the, the move to protect trans youth, as, they, as the left describes it, leaves many of these kids less than abled, I'm, I'm trying to be polite here, and sterilized. So uh, one example is in the UK, the Tavistock gender facility was shut down because uh, a review showed harm was being done to these kids. One child 15 years old, had advanced osteoporosis and bones so brittle they were, they were snapping. Because that's what uh, puberty blockers do. It's one of the major side effects. You then have to consider that they also leave uh, uh, children undeveloped and unable to reproduce. The end result of this naturally will be this ideology fading out. Now, here's what I was saying about if we do nothing. Educators and schools are moving to indoctrinate the children of more moderate and conservative individuals. And even if the children of the progressives don't reproduce, as the saying goes, the left doesn't have kids, they have yours. But here's what I think is going to happen. I think we just saw the blowout of Liz Cheney. The establishment is being routed, has been routed. And we're seeing Trump's endorsements win. And this means that come November, we're likely going to see, and maybe not, I don't know. But we may see, because of the historical trends, a major victory for Republicans. Republicans will then start passing more of these bills. In Arizona, we're learning now, they just advanced school choice. Absolutely incredible. If conservatives and libertarians, moderates and the anti-woke, whatever, all agree on school choice, then the woke nonsense will cease to exist. The children that are being sterilized will not have kids. And they're all just more likely to get abortions as it is. I'd have to say it sounds like the left has been infiltrated to, to, to remove their ideology from this country because they're doing things that ultimately will end their ideology. In the future, then, you will have a Christian conservative nation if things keep moving in this direction. NBC News reports, what do new Alabama laws say on transgender kids? Governor Kay Ivey signed bills into law Friday that limit transgender minors' ability to receive gender-affirming care, play sports, and use sex-segregated bathrooms. This is interesting. 
if anything is going to keep this ideology ideology alive, it's actually conservatives banning the uh, child sex change surgery and social uh, transitioning and medical transitioning of children. Thus, these kids may actually come to age with the ability to reproduce. Now, what we've seen a lot of is detransitioners, people who are, uh, were, tra- you know, uh, were transgender and took medication and then eventually decided it was wrong and they regretted it. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Some of these people, many of them, are actually sterilized. They're coming out now and speaking out against this. I think there's a strong possibility that these kids, many of them, I don't know about all, I think trans, uh, transgender uh, gender dysphoria is real. I think there actually are trans kids. I think there are many of them. And I think these kids will grow up and they will, they will not age out. But there is a very large uh, desistance probability, estimating it like 65 to 93% or something like that. That means there's a strong likelihood, according to the most recent data, many of these kids who are being put on these treatments and receiving surgery are going to grow up and they're going to regret it. Now, I think the, the, there's probably a greater likelihood. Well, actually, I don't know. You can argue there's a greater likelihood of desistance among someone who started puberty because they may start to feel out of place in their body if they, you know, get a surgery to change their body. That may be. If they're being pressured socially or their parents are pushing it, it's like Munchausen by proxy or something. Many of these kids don't realize What's going to happen to them? And that's why we are seeing the detransitioners. But you also, it's, it's, there's also an argument that many of these kids who are prepubescent and who are getting these puberty blockers and things like that will grow up and then start to actually come into their identity as, as their, their biological uh, self or whatever and completely regret again. Probably why we are seeing detransitioners because they come in all ages, uh, uh, shapes and sizes. The end result. I don't, I don't see how this is tenable, the transgender movement. But to go back to the Grant Sykes individual, ultimately, the ideology begins to implode on itself, which is why I wanted to talk about this and go back to this as the main story. Grant Sykes, a male name. I, I wonder at what point we're going to, I don't want to accuse Grant of hoaxing any of these schools or anything like that. But I certainly think that if you are male presenting with a male name, but using female pronouns, at a certain point, you're just going to get someone to go to these sororities, file a lawsuit and win if they can. They, and again, I mentioned they may be able to win on a Title IX argument about gender, uh, uh, gender segregation, not gender identity segregation. But then what? Look, we got guys who go to bars and sue them over having ladies night because that's illegal. Seriously, clubs have this problem. It's always a bunch of dudes and very few women. So they say, ladies night, women get cheaper booze to attract women to come drink. So the guys show up so the guys can try and woo the women. But that's illegal. It literally is a violation of the law to offer an economic incentive based on biological sex. So 
where I see this going is you will likely start to see straight white dudes suing as many of these uh, 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 institutions as possible over segregation for, for you know, to, to prove a point. You will start to see people who, pa- who look like, like they, they don't try to, you know, look like women at all. They just look like guys with guy haircuts and everything. Use male names and then be like, but it doesn't matter because the law protects me. Then what are you supposed to do? I don't see how, you know, the system we have in place right now, trying to be morally logical is, is not going to be possible. So we, it, it's, it's values based, not moral logic based. And I'll give you an example. We say parents have a final say in their children's education and medical treatment. Florida, right? Okay, well, what if the parent wants medical treatment like transgender surgery for their 10-year-old? Now, do you want the government to intervene? It's not about moral logic. It's about values. So we can try and create a society based on precedent, but that does not move in a, in a solid, cohesive direction. If you come out and say the, the Supreme Court precedent is X, okay, well, then apply it to everything else, and the system implodes on itself. It's interesting. It's rather paradoxical in many, many regards. But in the end, culture is more important than any of this, than any policy, than any law. Culture. Why do we have sororities and fraternities? Because it's a cultural construct. Why is it that there's not tons of men in sororities? Cultural issues. That's why they have fraternity and sororities. But now people are testing the limits of a moral logic government. And if the Supreme Court says parents have a final say in, in, in medical treatment for their kids, okay, then the parent can decide to what give their kid a sex change. That's right. Unless there's another law that says, okay, except in these instances. Well, there, there you go. In what capacity are you okay with government intervention? Would you be okay if the government mandated that your child had to be vaccinated against and said, nope, nope, we're intervening because you're not helping your kid? What if the government only restricted you from doing things? Nope, you can't give your kid a vaccine. I also think that's bad. So my point here is being aware of moral logic, being imperfect, being aware of your own biases, questioning what the real motives are behind a lot of these stories and realizing in the end, I think all of this is going to fizzle out for obvious reasons. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.